we, uh, we spend another week looking at this passage from uh, Ephesians 4. Um, there are six chapters in Ephesians. The first three chapters have to do with just the general characteristics of being a church. Uh, and once we move on from chapter 4, we begin to have some specific information about what a church looks like, how it ought to behave, the structure of the church and so on. In this part, where verses 1 to 16, we've dealt with in, these, in the first two sermons about this, we've dealt with the issues of the structure and the, and the style of the church. Today we move on to the next few verses which talk about uh, uh, leadership in the church. And uh, so let me read to you from um, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at uh, uh, first verse and going through to 16. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you who are called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he has also descended to the lower earthly regions? He, has, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Let me get to the focus of our time together this morning. I'll talk about that first bit just a little. But let me read from verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all grow in will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. For him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's the unity of the church expressing itself. But let me just deal with those um, verses from verse 7. To each one of you gave us grace has been given us. Why? This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he held captives in his train and gave gifts men what does he ascended mean that he also descended to the lower earthly regions he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the what does that mean so there's a bit of argument about what that actually means but the suggestion is that he descended to the lower earthly regions which is here on the earth not satanic regions but he descended to the earth and on the on the on the earth with all the human beings he dealt with he established his kingdom and then he rose back higher than the heavens into the location of his relationship with the Father and uh, was made Lord over all, though he had always been Lord over all. That's what those passages are getting at. There's a bit of an argument about it, but it seems to me that that's the most appropriate way. I don't think he descended into hell at this particular point. I don't think that's what Paul is saying. 
Well, let's talk about this leadership for a moment. Uh, we will turn ourselves on. We ready to go? Let's whip that up. There we go. Um, characteristics of healthy churches. There are several. There are eight characteristics of healthy churches, and one of those uh, is is this Christian leadership. What is Paul talking about when he talks to the uh, Ephesians about Christian leadership? The first thing we need to note is that God is in action appointing leaders. The church doesn't appoint leaders. God appoints leaders. And the work of the church is to identify what God is doing in appointing the leaders who are supposed to be involved in leading the church. It's not simply a matter of a person puts up their hand and says, I'll be a leader. Uh, I've got plenty of experience in business, business so I'll, I'll look after the finances. It's not about that. It's about the people of God saying, who in our midst is going to be the one who is, has the spiritual formation inside to be able to lead the church appropriately as a church family, as an organism, not an organisation? So it's a matter of the church seeking that out and searching that out and doing that properly. So leadership is therefore to be taken seriously as a God-initiated activity. It's a God-initiated task that both the leaders and the followers need to understand. The task we are given when we step into a leadership position in the church, whether it's be looking after Sunday school or whether it's uh, looking after for Ian, looking after the seniors, for other people, the issue that we are given is the responsibility to do what God has given us to do. Many of us think that Ian's been appointed to uh, look after the uh, seniors in the church. He's actually been appointed to look after the spiritual health of the leaders in the church, uh, of the seniors in the church, and in looking after the spiritual health in the church, is able to do the various activities that he needs to do. The priority, though, is not looking after seniors. The priority is looking after the spiritual health of leaders. And if you want to say, well, what kind of character? Do the leaders need to display? Because uh, I've been in many, I've been in schools where the, the leader, the principal of the school, is not what a leader in the church would be. I've been in a in a in a, in, in a school or two where the principal was uh, was a nasty person. He was really quite dogmatic and ruling and carry. You know, you you would hardly speak to him on the way in, in the passageway. This is how leaders are to behave in the first few verses of chapter four. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, you have received a calling to be a leader. How do you live your life? Be completely humble and, and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If you're involved in a leadership position in the church, as far as Paul is concerned, that's the behavior characteristic that belongs to you. That's what you have to evidence in who you are, in every single way. Well, let's talk about this in a little bit more detail. Leadership, we have to understand, is what God has given us to do, not necessarily to make sure things work effectively in the church, but to lead the people in whom we have, for whom we have responsibility as leadership into a position of greater spiritual depth than they've been before. That's the task of leaders. 
when the task uh, of leaders is evidenced in the church, and every leader in the church is doing that, then we get to the stage where all of a sudden everything begins to work because we've got people who are respecting one another, looking after one another, caring for one another, taking ministry from one another, and the church begins to operate as the organism that God intended. So leadership, you see, is, is taking the responsibility for spiritual growth, spiritual development in the church. The authority to lead, and this is a, a difficult one, the authority to lead is given by God, but given by the, lead, by the people who are the followers. Leadership is not taken by the leader, it's assigned to the leader by the followers. See what I mean? It's, it's the responsibility that people say, yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will respond to you in appropriate ways, in appropriate fashion. And then when a leader is able to hear that, the leader is saying, I open my soul and I give you everything I am. So that there's, there's, there's this got to be this relationship between uh, the folk of the church and the leadership of the church. When is leadership happening? Well, I, I need to say there's a timeliness about leadership. Uh, I'm interested in Symbidium orchids. And the truth is, as far as Symbidium orchids are concerned, that uh, there's never the right time to think that, uh, that, that they're not blooming. When they're not blooming, the temptation is to believe that there's six months of the year, they just sit there with their leaves and do nothing. You think to yourself, oh, I'd better get rid of them, they look ugly. No, that's the period when they need fertiliser. That's the period when they need looking after. And over that period, if you do that well then you'll get some glorious blooms. It's not, there's a timeliness about looking after orchids. There's, I've got some Australian orchids, and there's a timeliness about that. They'll sit in their, in their pot for six months, and you'll see nothing. At the appropriate moment, you're doing the appropriate thing. At the appropriate time, you can just put them under a tree and forget about them. Other times, you've got to fertilise them. You've got to work with them. Sometimes you've got to prune a little bit. Sometimes you've got to take them out of the pot divide them up and get rid of the rubbish and plant them again. But there's a timeliness about that. As far as leaders and church are concerned, there is a timeliness about what we need to be doing when we need to be doing it as leaders. Not only that, there are always seasons in the life of a church. Um, a while ago, I represented South Australia in a, in a, in a visit we made to New Zealand, and I, was, and I went to the New Zealand Assembly. And the guy who was leading the assembly had set up a tree, but without any leaves on. And he'd asked the whole denomination to come and bring a leaf, recognising the season that they were in. So there was red for summer, there was grey for winter, there was, I forget the other colours. And then he said at the assembly, would you come along and put your leaf on the tree and we will see at what point our denomination is fascinating different churches all over the places were in totally different seasons we need to behave differently in winter than we do in summer we need to be able to nurture in certain ways when the church is in a winter period we need to be able to look after things in a different kind of way when it's blooming in the summer or when when spring comes along and everything comes to life we need to be nurturing when is leadership happening? Well, 
It's got to be timely and it's got to be seasonal according to the season of the church. What kind of leadership is discovered in healthy churches? Empowering leadership. Leadership that says, I'm not here to do the job, I'm here to ask you help me do the job and I will train you in every single way. We were talking this morning about the, uh, about the need, Isabel and I and a couple others, but I think they were talking about what, what do we need to do to make sure the baton gets handed on? And if we hand the baton on, what do we do when we're 80 and can't do the stuff anymore ourselves? The answer is there's still a role for 80-year-olds to be involved in handing on the baton. We pray for those who are taking it over. And I suggested, for example, to Isabel, where's Isabel? You don't mind me saying this, do you? Where is she? You don't mind me saying this, do you? I said, to why don't you go and have a chat to Melissa and say to Melissa, I would like to pray for you every day. Passing the baton, holding the responsibility for the care of our leaders. Now, can you see what's going on here if the whole church was prepared to, to do that kind of stuff? The 80-year-olds are still ministering. I'm 77, I'm still ministering. But I'm not able to go out and kick a football anymore. My knees won't let me. You know what I'm saying there, folks. So we know that, yeah. A biblical perspective. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6 and Romans 12. I actually got that Romans verse deliberately. Both talk about leadership. Um, this is Romans. For the, by, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You're getting the message. These are God-placed responsibilities. That's just, that's just Romans and Ephesians. There are other gift-oriented passages right the way through the Scripture. God is in action in appointing leaders. We might think that those who are appointed to our church council, we appointed them at a church meeting. No, 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 what we did at a church meeting was to affirm who they are and what they're doing. We, we affirm that that's what God has given us as a church to do. And in a church meeting, we affirm what God has done. That's why we're Baptists. We say our church is not uh, a democracy. Our church is a theocracy. Because we come back to God and we say, God, what are you doing in our church? And in a meeting of the whole of us, we say, yes, we affirm that that's what God is doing. So leaders are not elected. They're affirmed in our church. Ephesians 4, I've just read that. Leaders are God's grace gifts to the church. We're all grace gifts, I have to say. Every single one of us who comes to this church is a grace gift to this church by God. We take advantage of everybody's gifts. We use what everybody has got. We encourage everyone. 
and we don't give up using our gifts until we say to the Lord, I'm home. We keep going, 80, 90, 100. We keep praying for others. We keep encouraging one another. We keep talking to one another. Leaders are God's grace gifts to the church in particular areas, though. When Rich is appointed church secretary, that's God's grace gift given to Richard to be able to use in the church. The leader's particular calling, if you have a look at verse 12, you'll see what I mean. Prepare God's people to use their own gifts. So the responsibility of the leaders of the church is to look around the place and say, who have we got who is beginning to bud out in this particular gift in our church? Who's beginning to show? Now, I, I, I was fairly keen to have that happen at Christmas time. You see, I can pontificate about what it felt like for Mary uh, to be pregnant at 14. I can stand up and tell you all about that. But the only people who can actually tell us what that's like, and I'm not suggesting they were pregnant at 14, but are the women in our church. So I've twisted some arms behind back, and we've got two of our, uh, two of our ladies talking at Christmas about A, uh, Mary's predicament, and B, Mary's song. I'm thrilled to bits that our ladies are going to get up and say, well, this is what it's actually like. And we men might take a back seat and listen to those who know what they're talking about. And I've, I've said to the church, uh, to the elders, uh, to the pastors in the church, do you know anybody who might be starting, young people, who might be starting to look as if they're preachers? How about in January, where the numbers are down, where the pressure's not on, we give somebody a first run? That was, that's what that's all about. We should be doing that all the time. In our leadership positions in various parts of the church, we prepare God's people to use their own gifts. We equip them for works of service. What do you need? Isabel, go and pray for Melissa. Bring her up and say, Melissa, I'm praying for you today. What do you need? The purpose is, first of all, unity. The purpose in this whole thing is not that we're individuals and run away and do our own thing. The purpose is that we work together, we live together, we measure things together. We have leaders in positions who are experienced in what they have to do and they lead the church on in unity together and they spend time making sure that that unity is maintained. Secondly, maturity is the goal. Maturity is the knowledge of the Son of God. Maturity is not a brilliant uh, boys' brigade leader. It's not a brilliant Sunday school teacher. It's not a brilliant youth pastor. It's not any of that. The goal for leadership in the church is maturity in the knowledge of the Son of God. The leader's particular focus, then, according to Paul, is this, the spiritual development of the members of the body. He's saying to you and to me, there is a purpose that runs through the church that no other organisation out there has anything to do with, and it is the spiritual development of every single person who's a part of the church. Every single person being encouraged by somebody else to go deeper, to go deeper, to build the relationship, to go deeper, and allow him to be uh, the guide in your life, go deeper with him. Purpose of all of the leaders and indeed all the church, spirituality which is always moving towards unity. 
there are many churches that, that I've seen and no doubt I think you've seen where certain leaders come in and take control of the church and they dominate everybody and everything and they say it's all about me. I was listening to something on the, on the uh, TV the other day about the most wealthy pastors in the world. How much do you reckon the most wealthy pastor in the world is worth? $750 million. That's not what's supposed to happen in this church. I can tell you that. Zion says John went into the ministry to not to make money, and so far it's working. <laughs> we're, that's, not, that's not what we're here for. We're here to maintain a unity with one another, a, a life pattern of love and, and unity together to work on into the things of the kingdom. Verse 13, and, and to guide us into maturity. Now, maturity has to do with our relationship with Jesus. Can I underline that? I've already done it on the board, but can I underline it? I'm convinced that as our church faces more and more of the difficult things of our world, as we are faced with the need to deal with things outside of our world, which are way, way beyond what we believe is appropriate, we have to pray. We need to pray together. We need to pray apart. We just need to ring up somebody and say, look, I'm praying for you. I've got one fellow at Croydon Hills that I, I, I sent a message to a while ago. Um, I'm praying for you every day. I know life is difficult for you at the moment. I'm praying for you every day. Do you do that in this church? How's it going? How can I pray for you? The content of the leader's focus. Well, the persistence in the things of the kingdom. That is to say, if I am, I don't know, what example can I use? Uh, if, if, I am, if I am Paul and I'm, I'm leading the, uh, the youth group on Friday night, uh, we are using games to, do, to, to achieve a purpose. The purpose of the evening is not the game. The purpose of the evening is persistence in the things of the kingdom. With young people, you've got to do what you've got to do. With older people, you've got to do what you've got to do. But the purpose of the meeting is not the things that you're doing. The purpose of the meeting is persistent in the things of the kingdom, verse 15. As people, and this is an important point, it is also um, one of the characteristics of this particular, uh, this particular program, eight characteristics of healthy churches, uh, that this, as people are released into the things of the kingdom, the all-by-itself principle begins to operate. As a church begins to operate smoothly, as every part is doing its bit, as every organism is working properly, then slowly but surely the church begins to be just like an orchid and bud at the right time and throw up beautiful flowers. So long as we are saying to ourselves, my purpose here is to be a child of the living God, my purpose here is to take on board the delegation that he gives to me of the responsibilities in my life and I will do that with my friends. I will do that with those who are hurting. I'll do that with those who are firing on all senses and together we'll form ourselves into a church that's operating properly. Finally, maturity. Maturity is not everyone fully using their gifts and operating in God's love. 
That's not maturity. Sometimes people can be operating in their gifts for too long. Sometimes people need to be changed over. <laughs> if you've been in a, in a position for 20 years, it's probably an indication that you need to let somebody else take over for a while. Is a deepening of relationship with Jesus, verses 13 and 15. That's what maturity is. Now, leaders, I, I need to say to you, how, how are you going? How are you travelling? Are you, are you travelling in such ways that uh, you're sensing what God is doing? He's changing your character, changing your personality? Is there a, is there a real sense of coordination with those who are around you, who, who, who are working together in different ways? And then you see, if that's the case, Christians begin to accept ministry from one another. And in the church, everything operates properly. Leadership also has to do with equipping and gifting. Looking around the place and seeing Joe Blow over there is just beginning to show certain characteristics. Let's invite him to do something secret. You know, when you go to some of the Pentecostal churches, <coughs> excuse me, if you're a visitor, you get invited to do a task immediately. You know what it is? To receive the offering. If you walk in the door and nobody recognises you, they say to you, could you please uh, take up the offering for us? And they give you the bag. You are immediately involved. You are immediately committed to a task within the church. And on the basis of being committed to that task in the church, they believe you'll come back next week and you'll do it again. And I don't think they're wrong. I think very frequently that that is a part of the process. It, it has to do with, let me identify straight away things that you might be involved in in the church. In healthy churches, the test question is this. Is the ministry of leaders focusing on equipping other leaders to lead? Does every leader have in the organisation a sub-leader who is inexperienced in leadership but is, in being, but is being trained in that leadership so that there can be a handing of the baton in just a few years' time? So there's a turnover all the time. And we're always equipping those who are coming up. I, one of the things I've been impressed with in this church is the number of people who are the, where the handing on of the baton happens. We see somebody up here playing the piano with his mum. In many churches, you wouldn't see somebody like that up on the... It wouldn't be right to have a, have a teenager up playing on the, on the piano. It's good. It's the evidence of a church that's trying to live its life. But this is the process. Am I, as a leader, going about the process of trying to make sure that there is somebody who is following in my footsteps? What does empowering mean? Since that, as you see, is in, in this particular program, the eight characteristics of healthy churches, there are a noun and an adjective all the time for all eight of them. Um, so that the one for, about leadership, leadership is the noun. How, what kind of leadership is it? Well, the adjective is empowering leadership. What does it mean? Well, it means to authorise, to enable, to give power to do. Empower, empowering the leaders are being empowered. All the time, the, the church is saying to their leaders, thank you for what you do, we appreciate you, 
we, we, we want to look after you. We want to take care of you. We want to make sure that everything is fine. Uh, we, we want to make sure that, uh, that you, the burden is not too much, that we're not requiring of you things that are, uh, you know, we are looking after you all the time. We're empowering you. We're speaking to you about your right to give leadership to us. Leaders invest their effort into other Christians as the multiplication of ministry. A major goal of a healthy church is to identify emerging leaders. A number of churches I've been in have actually had what they called uh, uh, junior deacons. The whole idea of the junior deacon was that somebody who was, might be a 18 or 19 year old who's, who's uh, been around the place for a little while, you know, been part of the church, invite him onto the diaconate, let him serve a little bit. He doesn't get to vote, he doesn't get to say much if he doesn't want to, but just to be there, to get a sense of what leadership in the church is all about, what the process is, who does what, so that eventually when he's 24, 25, somebody appoints him to the leadership, he's already halfway there. Christians accept ministry from one another. But that means there's no ice between anybody. It means there's, there's, no, there's no sense of, um, but I'm superior. You ought to do what I say. What, what it involves is, uh, I, I, I can come over here and talk to the little kids over here or wherever they are, and, and they impact my life. Do your grandchildren not affect your life? Do they not grow you? Do they not grow you at least in love? To celebrate the wonder of God's creation? Well, learn from one another. Let our kids teach us. Let's be humble. Let's be always thinking about what God wants us to do. Leadership is not using somebody else to achieve my aims but equipping others to achieve God's aims. Let me say that again. Leadership is not using somebody else to achieve my goals, good as they may be for the church, but it is equipping other people to achieve God's goals. Leadership is always under leadership. doesn't matter who you are in the church, you are under the authority of the living God. And it's a matter of saying, I'm not here to use you to achieve the goals that I think we're being given. I'm here to make sure that you sense who God is and that you sense what he wants to do through you, what he intends to use you for. And if that's the case, then let me welcome you into this little position. You might just do these things. You might just take up the offering uh, for the first week or three. Leadership, major stuff in the life of a church because it's very easy for some leaders to say, I'm the leader. I've been the treasurer in this church for 35 years. <laughs> oh dear, that's a problem, I would have thought. <laughs> Not having a shot at you, Johnny. <laughs> Can you see what I mean? We are together a family family of individuals who are no more important than one another. When you get to our age, those who are my age and these age, your back hurts, one or two things are difficult to cope with, you accept all of that and the young people give you a hard time because they want you to do this and you can't and all that stuff. 
but we are a family. We are a community of loving, godly people whose desire is to serve the master. And he has said to us, I have placed in the church certain people to whom I've given leadership responsibility, and this is their task. Will you as a church come to this? Allow this to happen. Search out for those who are going to be the leaders of the future and allow those who are here to lead, to lead. Amen. Oh, let me pray so the band can come. Father God, thank you for, for your teaching through, uh, through Paul particularly. He does this bit about leadership several times. And we want to thank you for the ease and the freedom and yet the difficulty that it holds for us because uh, it's much, much easier to simply launch in and take control of ourselves and do our own thing and expect everybody to, to do what happens. But Lord, would you guide us and keep us? Would you direct us and show us through this whole leadership pattern in the church the sense of your profound love that goes deeper and deeper and deeper as we talk with those who lead us? Amen.